You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we're going to get caught up a little bit today. I want to start off with the Brian Gutekunst press conference. Then I want to get into some other news and notes, things that have happened around the league. Specifically, the Chicago Bears have made some additions, most notably, which really not most notably, but... Um, most notably among Packer fans, seemingly, is the Mercedes Lewis signing. They also signed Yannick Ngakwe. Of course, they're all very excited about that. Whatever. Um, and a few other things. And if there is time, time permitting, we are going to start the process of sort of laying out what has happened in training camp so far. Don't know if we'll have time, but that is on the docket if we happen to get there. These press conferences tend to take a very long time, so we'll see. I think this is going to be kind of quiet. Um, I got it cranked up as loud as I can get it to go, but um, hopefully you can hear this okay. It sounds like the people doing the AV stuff over there are kind of struggling. Sometimes they kind of it's quiet and then it gets louder or whatever. So we'll try to navigate that. But I want to start with the first question. It's not necessarily massively important, but for the four fans that seem to be hung up on some stuff, I just want to play this Um, talking about sort of the the movement of the roster and how how it's been this year or something i don't know the question was not super entertaining maybe you know i'm a little bit more early you know um but yeah now pretty typically you know like how i kind of like to turn the bottom of it once we kind of i think get to a point with some players you just want to be able to see somebody else yeah so anyways that is so quiet um it does get louder somebody fixes it but um the, the only reason I bring that up, it's very obvious. Gutekunst has done this every year. He'll continue to do it all year throughout the year, which is churning the bottom of the roster, bringing in new people, new people, new people. Right after a while, you've seen this guy enough. You feel like nothing's going to happen. You bring somebody else, you, you work that out. Why am I bringing that up? Well, because it's become a common narrative, mostly among non-Packer fans, because Packer fans know better. But there are a couple straggler Packer fans who actually believe things like, oh, I don't know, Alex Magoo is being brought in because they don't have confidence in Jordan Love. This is the dumbest possible narrative that could ever exist. What in your right freaking mind would make you think that the Packers are picking up Alex Magoo because they think he's the next Aaron Rodgers? He's the next guy to lead us into the promised land. Why in the world would you actually think that? There was also a, another quarterback that the Packers tried out. His last name was Love. That's all I remember. I remember it for obvious reasons. I mean, good lord. It's mostly Bears fans, but again, I, I did see Packer fans saying, oh, Magoo's going to be taken over as a competition. I mean, that was an article that was written, that was run with. It shouldn't have been. It was an article that never should have been written. Obviously, clickbait garbage. But, I mean, give me a freaking break. The, these things happen all the time. Cody Crest was brought in. Andre Miller was brought in. Alex Magoo was brought in. Antonio Moultrie, I think, was recently brought in. Aaron Mosby or Mosby or whatever was brought in. And they're going to continue to do that. 
They're going to get rid of guys like Garvin. They're going to get rid of guys like Filiaga. They're going to get rid of guys like Cameron McDonald. They're going to get rid of guys like Ladarius Hamilton. They're going to make these final decisions saying enough is enough, and they're going to bring in somebody else to rotate at the bottom of the roster to give them an opportunity to be the next Ladarius Hamilton or or Jonathan Garvin that maybe can kind of be a semi-decent rotational player. Probably not, but but that's the point. If, if it's once every 50 times you do that, you hit on somebody, fine. Keep going. Let's go. We're almost to 50. That's five. We're 10% of the way there. This is normal stuff. There is no competition for Jordan Love's job. There's none. This is either Jordan Love is the guy or he's not. It's sink or swim. There is no plan B. The plan B is if he's bad, we draft somebody else as it should be. It's not Carson freaking Wentz. It's not Alex Magoo. It's not Sean Clifford. It sure as heck isn't Danny Etling. I don't know why this is so hard for people to comprehend. I have a feeling it really just has to do with a lot of people hating Jordan Love and wanting to say that, ooh, there's actual competition because it makes it seem like, oh, he's so trash that Magoo is like competing because they're that close. But it doesn't make sense under even very slight scrutiny. So again, Brian Gutekunst, if you couldn't hear him, just said, yeah, we're just churning the bottom of the roster like we always do, and we'll continue to do. That's it. Next question. Seven practices. How much does that tell you what Jordan Love is going to be? Oh, yeah, not much. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, uh, he, uh, he's done a really nice job. Um, just like last year, I think um, defense kind of had the offense early, and that's usually a little bit of the case. But it certainly was last year and has been this year. They made some strides over the past few days here, I think, you know, but the uh, the next two weeks with the opportunities that uh, this football team's going to have between the joint practices, family night, and two preseason games, going to be very big for us. All right, so um, also important, and, and you could say he's lying if you want, but he, he isn't, um, they're, they're putting almost no weight in what's happened so far, which, again, has been to some degree positive, maybe not as much as we would like, but again, here's the other thing to, to keep in mind. As I have preached a lot in the past, context. I think Jordan Love has been bad. Okay, compared to what? Jordan Love's thrown what? Two, maybe three interceptions? How many has Rodgers thrown? How many has Fields thrown? Or Goff? Or Cousins? Do you know? Do you think it's less? Do you think it's more? You don't know. How many did Rodgers throw last year with the Packers, or the year before that, or the year before that? We far too often look at things in a vacuum. I want things to be this way. If you're good, I want you to meet this standard. You don't meet the standard, you're not good. That's not the reality, though. Look across the league. The expectations shouldn't come just from some made-up number that comes from the pit of your stomach. You set expectations based on looking around the league, right? It's like when people say, well, I think he's going to get, you know, with the the Fields thing, or even even, uh, Jordan Love with with a different number, but Fields, like, oh, I think he's going to get 4,000 yards. My reaction wasn't, no, he's not, he's going to suck. It's, oh, let me look. Let me look at the baseline. Same with, with Jordan Love. Somebody had said, I think he's going to get 31 touchdowns. And I looked at it, and only three quarterbacks got 31 or more than 31 touchdowns last year. And I thought, I mean, maybe, but probably not. Because it's not just a question of, if you're this good, you get 31. It's a question of, okay, what, is, what does that mean in the full context of, of the NFL? Like, what? I don't know. I need to look at these other quarterbacks and see where that kind of stacks up. How is he doing? I don't know. Because I, don't, I, I would need to know... 31 other camps how the quarterbacks are looking and i can tell you just on the on the baseline trying to look at you know as i'm seeing these these tweets come up about quarterback it, it generally not very good good days occasionally but a lot of it is bad i mean the rookies in particular that i've been seeing they're all really bad 
Again, Fields has got a ton of positive hype, but he's thrown more interceptions than anybody else that I'm aware of, including Russell Wilson, who's being skewered for his, I think, six interceptions. Now, I'm sure Pat Mahomes is tearing up camp and probably is maybe one interception if that, but freaking whatever. But, you know, the, the, the point is, he's saying we can't learn anything from this, right? We'll, we'll get more information later. We'll have more opportunities to actually kind of view these things and, and get some, some, you know, better perspective or whatever. But again, I, th- I think even if you want to disagree with Gutekunst, and you can, you can say, no, that's not true. He's been bad, and I'm, I'm going to use that to reinforce my belief that he's not good. You cannot say bad unless you set a baseline for what is good, what is bad, what is mediocre, not based on your own feelings of how things should be. And not based on, by the way, what a regular season looks like, because that's different too. Based on what does the average training camp quarterback look like in training camp? Nobody has that information. I mean, I'd be interested. I'm tempted to go on social media and reach out to some Lions guys, Vikings guys, whatever, and just be like, hey, are you tracking all the, the like, are you doing what I'm doing? Somebody else out there has, I can't be the only person on planet Earth that's doing this, tracking every single note of every single player, just going through and just saying, hey, I don't care if it's the Texans or the Chargers or whatever, what, 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 what's the stat line looking like for the quarterback? What are they doing? How many touchdowns? How many picks? How many good throws, overthrows, underthrows? But again, nobody wants to do that work. So we really shouldn't be sitting here saying good, bad, or otherwise. Here is one of my favorite questions. It's funny because I, I, I think it was Tom Pellicero sat down with Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur. And actually, that might be the next thing we do after this, depending on time. Because I really appreciated that as well. The questions he asked, I thought, were phenomenal. That's the thing. Like I, I always nitpick. Like oh, I don't like our, our media's questions a lot of the time. They're not good questions. But I don't know what a good question would be either. I, I would be terrible at that job. But I just hear the questions and I don't like it. Pelissero, I think it was, sat down and asked these. I'm like, dude, these are great. I love these questions because a good question gives you an answer that you want to know. One of the things that Jordan Love has been absolutely eviscerated for, that he has been killed for, is that the guy was never a first round pick. He was garbage in college. He was trash, which of course is stupid. He was a consensus first round pick. Everybody liked him for some reason. And your inability to see what that reason is, is a you problem. But it doesn't matter. The point is that... One of the biggest proofs that he's going to be no good is that he had a terrible college career, which obviously is not true because he was a first-round pick. But the question is, going back to 2018, 2019, what did you see on the tape that made you want to get him to begin with? Which even a skeptic would be happy to ask that question. But I just want to hear what he has to say. Because I've been sitting here reading everybody else's scouting report. Well, here's what freaking so-and-so said, and here's what JimBobScoutingMaster.org uh, said about him. I want to hear with what a, a top person, this person outranks every media person out there in terms of scouting prowess and ability. Every single one of them. In fact, everybody on his staff is better at, at scouting than these people are in the media. So getting his scouting report is something I would love to hear. The question is, what did you see on tape from Jordan Love at Utah State? Well, certainly from the tape, you could see all the physical ability, right? His ability to throw the football, uh, move around, uh, make plays. Uh, and as we got to know the person better, we just kind of felt like he was the kind of guy that could lead a football team. So um, certainly with the experiences, being so young when he came out, we knew there was going to be a progression there. We thought we obviously thought we had the ability, some time to do that. Um, and I think he's really progressed. And, he's, you know, obviously he was a young man when he got here. He's still a very young man, but he's, the maturity he's shown and grown with um, in our time um, has been impressive. So, I mean, again, he just said what everybody's been saying this whole time. 
But he started off with saying, and, and I like the way that he answered it, as much as it's like it would be great if you went in depth and spent 20 minutes talking about his, his film and all that stuff. Which they never do. They're always so nonchalant about everything. It's the same with like when they hired Matt LaFleur, and I thought it was the worst hiring in the world because he was a bad, you know, the, the offense went backwards in Tennessee, whatever. And, you know, people ask, like, so they were kind of bad. Like, what happened? And they just were like, what are you talking about? Like, he's a good dude, and, and like their quarterback had a busted hand. And I, like, this is a stupid question. What do you want me to say? It's like, I don't know. Spend a half hour gushing about how much this guy's amazing and how brilliant he is. Give me something here. But he started off with this nonchalant, like, I mean, obviously you could see on the tape that he can make all the plays and, and extremely talented. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> in, in a way, it was such a uh, powerful nothing statement because it, it's like, it doesn't need to be said. Anybody that knows what they're looking at, anybody with half a brain that watched that guy play knew that he had all the physical tools to be an incredible quarterback. On top of that, of course, it's the Packers, great character, and... We knew that it would take some time for him to develop into the, you know, uh, what it is we wanted him to be. And we knew that we had some time. We knew that he wouldn't be playing year one, that Rodgers would be here. And for the next year, two, three, however long it was going to be, we knew that we would have time to develop Jordan Love. And honestly, let's be completely honest, how long it takes to, de- how, how long they're going to have to develop him is probably going to be how long it takes to develop him. Because as soon as he is quote unquote developed, we're going to start to push <laughs> Rodgers out of here. Uh, skipping ahead just a little bit, asking about Anders, the the kicker, um, you know, and, and again, a, a good question insofar as saying, like, I, I understand that you need to be patient, but at the same time, like, we're, we're, this is kind of our guy, and you're going to have to make a decision real quick on what to do if this continues to go south. So kind of like, how do you balance that, I guess? Yeah, no, no concerns right now. I do think it's one of those things that this is National Football League. Like you got to perform um, at, every, at every position. Uh, at the same time, um, we went into this, you know, kind of knowing that rookie kickers can, you know, will, will have some struggles. And um, with the thought process, there'll be some patience there. So I, I'll be honest, and I've kind of said this already, but let me just lean into it a little bit. I think that's going to be the theme of this team this year. Like, the the kicker, I feel like uh, maybe he's not ready. That's true, but he's going to play. Uh, I don't think our receivers have a lot of experience. You know, they're, they're, uh, there's going to be a lot of bumpy roads here with these guys not really knowing what to do. That's true. That sucks. It is what it is. You know, Jordan, he, he's going to have... Yes. Yes. Going to be bumpy. Oh, well. It's it's like Gutekunst is saying it's going to be a bumpy ride, but tough. Andres has to learn. Jordan has to learn. Christian has to learn. Dobbs has to learn. And they're not going to learn by replacing Anders with Mason Crosby and replacing, you know, um, uh, Musgrave and Kraft with Tunyon and and and, uh, and Mercedes Lewis. Bringing them back. Of course, they're both Bears now. And Jordan's not going to learn by you know benching him for Matt Ryan. Sink or swim. That's it. And, and, and you know, and again, I don't know that that's the case, but I, I feel like that's the case. That's the way I think it should be, and that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from the team. And again, I think it just makes sense. It's sink or swim time. We got to find out what we have. We're building for the future. Some of these guys that we have right now, we're going to find out this year, they're not the right answer. That could be Devontae Wyatt. That could be Quay Walker. That could be Watson. That could be TJ Slayton. That could be A.J. Dillon. That could be Jordan Love. That could be Romeo Dobbs. That could be Jaden Reed. That could be uh, Zach Tom. It could be um, Josh Myers. There aren't a lot of le- names on this list that I couldn't mention. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Josiah DeGuara. 
Samore Ture, Dontavian Wicks, Grant DeBose, probably need more than one year, Carl Brooks, Jonathan Ford, Colby Wooden, um, Lucas Van Ness, Anders Carlson. So, some of these guys are not the answer. Some of these guys are going to be bad at football, and they're going to need to be replaced. But we're not going to find that out by freaking band-aiding everything with all these veterans who suck at football, but, you know, at least they have experience. Nope. We are going to go out there, and some of these people are going to rise to the occasion, and we're going to find out who the studs are, and we are going to forge them in fire. I mean, that, that's really what it is. We're throwing all this stuff in the furnace. Some of it's going to burn up, and some of it's going to come out, you know, metally. I don't know how that stuff works. <laughs> but good. And I understand the panic as far as like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be bad. Listen, first of all, nobody that you want to go out and get, like freaking Yannick Ngakwe, who cares? None of these guys are going to make our team better. Okay, I'm sorry. Mercedes Lewis is not going to make this team better. I just, I'm very sorry to tell you that. I like Mercedes as a person. He has been overhyped by Packers fans for a long time. Flat out. He's good, not great. And, and by good, I mean like at blocking. As a receiver, there's no use. So yeah, we might just trot these guys out there and they might just suck. Oh well. Because you know what? It's the best possible thing we can do for next year. When we go into the draft, we need a very clear idea of what we need replaced. When we go into free agency with actual money for once next year, we need to find out exactly what needs to be replaced as opposed to let's push Musgrave down the depth chart and not get a good view of what he is. And so next year, when we need to make a decision on how to move forward, not that we would replace Musgrave, but fine, pick a different person. Wide receiver. Is Dobbs the answer? I don't know. He didn't play much last year because we went and got some washed-up has-been that did nothing for us. You know, do we have what we need with Slayton and Wyatt? I don't know. We got some free agent defensive. We, we got Jaron Reed types. Brought in a couple Jaron Reeds, so we didn't get to see him very much. No, dude, just listen. Just let him play. Yeah, it's scary. Oh, well. Oh, well. Let them play. Again, I don't know that that's going to happen, but that's the vibe that I'm getting, that they're just going to let this thing burn. And and yeah, listen, if Anders Carlson is missing just buku kicks during the season, we'll probably go find somebody to replace him. But the point is, I don't think Anders is going to get his job back. Like, that's that's a replacement. And he might just stick around and maybe, you know, we'll see if he can next training camp or whatever, but that's probably just a done deal at that point. Kicker's somewhat of a unique situation where it's like, all right, we, we can't have you out here just shanking kicks left and right. Like, you got to go. And the other weird thing about kickers is there's always these veteran guys floating around. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of lose, like, like Mason, you know. <laughs> Maybe Mason will come back. I don't know. But those guys, those types of guys that are semi-reliable, at least kind of set in the floor, there's plenty of them out there if things just go completely south and they decide this just is not working. One other thing I wanted to mention, I'm not going to play the the clip, I'll just tell you essentially what was said because that's more interesting. Um, I wasn't aware of the comments, but one of the reporters had asked Brian Gutekunst essentially saying, you had said when Zach Tom came out you thought his best position was center. I'm sure at some point in my life I knew that, but you guys know how my brain works. I was taught in public schools, teach to the test, and then, you know, memory purge everything. So that's how I operate get real good at understanding what it is is right in front of me, and then I don't remember a freaking thing. Anyways, that kind of perked my ears up a little bit, because if Brian, I mean, it's it's ultimately up going to be up to Matt LaFleur who plays where. But my whole thing with him playing center is, I, I just worry about him being a more slender guy, that you're wasting his athleticism on the inside. Yes, of course, athletic, athletic centers are great and all that stuff, but primarily you want, the more you get more to the interior, 
you need to be more stout in a little space. You can be a little bit more of a mauler. You know, again, I like Corey Lindsley because he benched 700 billion pounds or whatever. He's a smaller guy. He's going to be going up against 330-pound nose tackles. However, that doesn't necessarily matter. I was, for a long time, convinced that Ezra Cleveland for the Minnesota Vikings would not play left guard. And once they put him at guard, because they drafted Christian Derrissaw, I'm like, why would you do that? You have Ezra Cleveland. And you have Brian O'Neill. You have two tackles. Now what are you going to do? Like the very next year after they got Cleveland, they're like, oh, we're going to play him guard. I'm like, you can't do that. And my whole thing is he's a tall, long, he's like six foot six. Like you don't have six foot six guys playing guard, man. You know, on the outside, fine. You, you need to cover a long, uh, a bunch of ground and you get the long arms and all that stuff. Inside though, it's about getting low and getting leverage. Remember Mike Daniels talking about that, being a small guy saying that works to his advantage because I can get lower than them. Low man wins. I don't want some six, six guy playing guard. Point is, though, I looked into it. There's a bunch of 6'6 six, six guards. Ezra Cleveland has been playing guard for the last several years, and he's doing a pretty good job. So all that to say, I'm getting very hung up on his body type not feeling to me like a center. Zach Tom is 6'4", 304. Josh Myers is 6'5", 310. They're like the same size. So, I mean, the, the, the bigger part of my objection still stands. If he's a tackle, he, tackle is way more valuable than center. I would love to have a mauling center. I really would. Tackle is the most important, and and as much as as uh, Yash Nyman has been a great fill-in, he's not the guy. And if Zach Tom could be a, a legit tackle, man, we need to explore that. We really, really do. But when I heard that, I was like, okay, that's worth noting. Number one. But then number two, he made a comment about you know we're 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 proud of the leaps that some of the guys are making that are here, but a lot of the young guys are really starting to take some steps and are starting to push some of those older guys. And I'm thinking, who could he possibly be talking about? Immediate, for the record, the context essentially is Zach Tom, right? The question was about, you mentioned Zach Tom was a center, whatever, and he, he speaks as though he's being vague, but what else could he possibly be talking? What young guy is pushing a veteran? I mean, maybe we're saying Zach Tom for Yash Nyman, but he already took his job. He was our starting tackle at the end of last year. So it's just worth noting that He's talking about some of the younger guys, which is a great thing no matter what. I mean, Sean Ryan could potentially be one of the guys who's pushing. And for all I know, he's talking about, you know, Caleb Jones and uh, Rashid Walker. But it, it just kind of gave me a, a sense of maybe that is what they're thinking. When, when the question is phrased about Zach Tom being uh, thought of as a center by, by Brian Gutekunst, and then he makes a comment about, you know, some of the young guys are really starting to push for, you know, taking over those veteran jobs made it start to feel real. I still am convinced it's Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Tom. But again, they're exploring it. They're going to try it. Right now, they're barely dipping their toe in the water. I, I would barely call it a competition between Myers and Zach Tom. But again, when that did happen, what did Myers do? He fumbles two snap exchanges with two different quarterbacks, which makes it harder to believe that it's, that it's the quarterback's fault. Plus, he was doing it all the time with Rodgers. Rodgers is constantly screaming at the guy for making mistakes. Right, Good center, very inconsistent, constantly making stupid mistakes. So the day that he gets semi-demoted, he freaking... And then Devontae Wyatt kicks the crap out of him in the second-team offense. <laughs> He's like, what's up, guys? Second-team losers, bang! Just gets freaking annihilated. So, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's interesting, and I'm sure, like most of these things, we all can hear it. You know, Clayton's been talking about that, how people can hear things and, and come away with completely different takeaways. That's where my mind went with it. Who knows what what he meant or what you might possibly be taking away from those comments, which I didn't play, but you can go listen to it. Uh, Next up, and I will play this one, talking about how close are you to signing Mercedes Lewis. Um, He gives a very 
polite answer, but the the on, very honest answer is they, they weren't bringing back Mercedes Lewis. They had no interest. A uh, lot of conversations, but I think after the draft, when we drafted the two the two young tight ends and really wanted to give those guys the best opportunity to move forward, I kind of think. Again, pause. What does he want to do? He drafted them, and then he wants to give them the opportunity. In other words, we're not just drafting them and then they're going to sit. We're drafting them and they're going to play, period. Um, that's where our mindset is right now. We never really would close the door on guys that uh, have performed for us because you never know what's going to happen with injuries and things down the way. But um, um, you know, we're really happy with those two young guys, how they're progressing along with the guys that have been here in the past. So, so to be clear, and, and I'm glad he elaborated because he'll, he'll constantly say things like, well, we would never close the door, which gives you the feeling like they're, they're maybe trying to get him back in or they're talking or whatever. No, they weren't talking. The point is, Maybe down the line, if he's still an option and somebody gets injured and we need somebody to fill in, sure. That's, that's the exact same thing with Mason Crosby, by the way. Because they say the same thing about him, we would never close the door. The door at this time is closed. If things with Anders go completely south, or if he's hurt or whatever, that's at, at the point at which they would start exploring how much money it's going to cost to bring him back. The, the final obvious thing here is that Mercedes Lewis was signed by the Bears. It was a one-year, $2 million deal. You can't get much lower than that. So it's very obvious that this isn't like a, we really want you back for the right price kind of thing. Bro, <laughs> come on. They made no effort to bring him back. They didn't want him back. And then yeah, I think it's Wildy wants some kind of further elaboration. Like, you know, and again, th- this is where, and, th- and this is Wildy, right? I'm learning this. Wildy... Um, and a few of the other, I think, older uh, radio-type guys. Um, I, I, I would assume Domofsky, but I don't know. They are very much in the, we need to go get some veterans. We need to you know, load up with some more experience. This is becoming a problem. So he wants a direct answer, right? Tell me directly why you wouldn't want a 39-year-old guy, very intelligent, great leader, great locker room guy, and can help bring up the young guys, which of course is a legitimate question. I've talked about that extensively, but let's see what Gutekunst has to say. There's a lot. I mean, first of all, it'd be, he's a really good player, and so having good players, it's always it's good to have those guys. But at the same time, you know, when guys need to play and, and need the snaps, I mean, um, if they're out there, those other guys aren't. You know, that's just that's just part of it. You know, and so um, with all the players that leave here. Um, you know, especially the, the guys who have done things in the league and are veteran players. I mean, they're more experienced and they're going to be better players than some of the young guys. But at the same time, you can't get those young guys to that speed unless they get to play. So that's part of it. But, uh, you know, again, he's, he was a really good player for us. I mean, he's the amount of years he's played, I think he's probably, you know, he's at the top of the list right now, you know. And, um, you know, he'll be missed. But at the same time, we're really excited about the young guys. So, again, it's the same answer. It's... If Mercedes is here, the young guys don't play. And we want the young guys to play. Period. And he even said, those guys might be better. Which again, for, for a lot of the fan base, that is, that is inconceivable. That you're acknowledging that Mercedes Lewis, maybe even Robert Tunyon, might be better options this year than the rookies. And you're not going to bring him in. And I think he's absolutely right. Because if they come in... Let's let's say we brought in, which we can't because they're both Bears. Let's say we brought back Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis because by the conclusion of training camp, we feel like those guys are 10% better. They don't have anywhere near the ceiling. They're obviously not future options. And of course, we're sabotaging our own draft picks so that they're not learning. And that next year, we're basically starting from ground zero because they're still young guys that need those snaps. That would be at their ceiling had we let them play. 
but instead we brought in these old guys. And again, that's the problem. It's the short-term nature of the way that certain people think of, give me the best right now. I don't care if I sabotage the future. If it means we're maybe, maybe getting 5% better, we should get 5% better. It's like Madden. This guy's an 89 grade, this guy's a 90. Well, you go with the 90, period. This isn't Madden, though. This, this is about building for the future. How are we going to be a powerhouse in 2025 if our tight ends haven't played because we're bringing in, you know, 39, 40-year-old tight ends who catch four passes a year, three of which are touchdowns? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it might be scary, and maybe the, the guys might be bad for a little while. Oh, freaking well! Yeah, I mean, I mean, th th listen, this is an unusual circumstance, right? Usually your team is mostly veterans, and then you got a crop of young guys. It's kind of like the defense, right? You got Kenny, and you got, I mean, Slayton's been there for a while. And then you got Wyatt, who's the young guy. I mean, it's still kind of bad on the defensive line, so maybe that's a bad example. Let's look at the edge rushers. You got Rashawn, you got Preston, you got Kingsley, you got Hollins. They're all veterans, kind of. And then you got LVN mixed in. So he's the young guy, and he's, we're going to bring him along as we bring everybody else along. This is a unique situation where everybody's young, and everybody has to learn at the same time. But again, oh well. Everybody's got to learn. That's just what we're going to do. Is that, does it mean there's going to be catastrophes sometimes? Yup. But you know what? There's also going to be some freaking awesome times. We're going to see those fadeaway jumpers 40 yards down the field right into Christian Watson's hands for a touchdown. And you're going to see those glimpses of what this team can be in a couple years if they continue to build and grow and get better together. And you take your lumps and you maybe take a bad season. Maybe. Maybe it's a great season. I'm not trying to tell you what, it, what it's going to be. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to lay out the mentality that I believe the Packers have. And I, I, I even just... Uh, it would have been yesterday, I guess, on Packernet After Dark, had somebody call in and say, you know, pump the brakes on Musgrave because I think DeGuaro is going to be the guy because he's the veteran. And, and I'm saying I, I genuinely think it's a new mentality in Green Bay. And by new mentality, I actually mean old mentality because this is the way the Packers used to be until we got into this win-now scenario where we're, we're messing up all the contracts and we're playing all the veterans and, and sacrificing all the young talents so, so it's hurting our future in every conceivable possible way. The only real benefit is we he did a great job of stockpiling draft picks. So we've got a billion young guys. And it's going to take a while for him to learn, but, you know, we'll get there. We'll figure it out, man. And again, some of these guys are going to be bad. Eh, oh, well. Then they'll go away and we'll get new ones. That's how it works. Uh, next one, and obviously this is going to be the whole show. We're, we're halfway through the podcast and we're halfway through the uh, the interview here. But anyways... Um, the next one is about the defensive swagger, and I just he says several things in here that I appreciate. Yeah, again, it's early, and that swagger usually is is built and earned through you know more of the regular season. But uh, <laughs> in other words, freaking chill out, dude. You know, I think there's some some young players coming into their own and feeling that confidence. You know, and uh, maybe a few guys that have a different. Who could that be? You think? It's always fun to think. Like he's 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 got somebody in mind when he's saying stuff like this. Young guys on defense that are starting to get a little swagger that are coming into their own. I mean, you've got what? Slayton, Wyatt, Quay, Kingsley. There's, I mean, there's not a ton of options. My immediate thought is Wyatt. Young guy coming into his own, starting to figure stuff out. Because everything I've heard sounds like that's the case. I mean, In fact, if I had to put my finger on maybe the best player in camp, I mean, it's probably Jair, but I, I think Wyatt is, is... I mean, it's been incredibly positive and kind of edge uh, that are stepping into leadership roles that maybe weren't in the past i think you know i spoke about this before but like you know we we certainly are going through a transition uh with our football team right now um 
and when you when you lose a, a, some veteran players that were leaders for you, it creates opportunity for some of these young guys to step in there and their leadership roles and the swagger that maybe they possess and stuff as well. So yeah, I think that's kind of what's going on right now. Again, seven days into training camp, um, you know, this, that stuff's going to be earned in the regular season. But um, I like how um, the intentionality that some of our, our guys are, 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 you know, kind of bringing to the table. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break? Please check out grassfedcooperative.com. Get high-quality grass-fed beef sent directly to your house. Use promo code PACKER10, that's capital P, PACKER10, for 10% off your order. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Anyways, um, he was asked to elaborate on that, uh, more so on the leadership. Who are some of the guys that are sort of filling that leadership void that is left. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd point anybody out, but even, I mean, even guys like, you know, Rashawn, who hasn't practiced yet, I mean, I mean, the way he's pushing the group, Elton, um, you know, Devondre, Quay, some of these guys have done stuff in the past, but sometimes now I think they're they're more prominent in those leadership roles, and that's a really, I think that's a really good thing for us. Aaron Jones, Jair, um, you know, there's some, there's some definite swagger out there, but again, it's got to happen in the regular season. The one that stands out for me that he said is Quay. Because he doesn't, he doesn't fit in that group. Which one doesn't belong? It's Quay. Everybody else is a veteran, established guy that's been there for a while. Quay is a rookie that struggled. I love that Brian Gutekunst, I, mean, I don't want to say singled him out because he listed probably 12 guys, but he mentions him as one of the guys that seems to be emerging as a leader in the locker room. There's something about a middle linebacker as a leader of your defense, as much as I love Jair, and he brings a swagger, and you know whoever else, Rashawn Gary, with his work ethic and his tenacity, there's just something about Quay Walker. When you think about, you know, I, I love Devondre, but again, he's he's a little bit more of a short termer, right? When you think two, three, four, five years down the line, the young guys that are going to be growing together with this team, Jair, Rashawn, Quay, Devon, uh, Wyatt, Van Ness, Stokes. Maybe Savage, if he can figure it out this year. You know, that young nucleus of elite players, hopefully. And to have Quay Walker 
as the sun of that solar system. You know, everybody's got their own little thing. You know, you got Stokes and Jair out there that are just, got, again, with the swagger and, and, and the trash talk. You got the safeties lingering over the top. You got the attackers up front, but right in the middle is just this wild, violent, fundamentally sound, tackling, intelligent leader of the defense in Quay. Just the nucleus, the core of that scary, d- dominant unit. I love that. Someday. I love that. And that is one of the benefits of having a veteran like Devondre there, because I think Devondre is a leader. I think he does carry himself that way. So for Quay to kind of step into that role along with him, I I, I don't know why, but I like that a lot. Um, he was asked about how much Jordan's going to play, and the answer essentially is we don't know, which you know kind of makes sense that that would be the answer. Uh, the only thing he kind of highlighted, which makes sense, but you know maybe didn't think about, was if you know if Jordan plays, the other guy's got to play. I mean, the starting offensive line maybe minus Bakhtiari, but they're going to be out there. You're not going to put your quarterback out there with your second string guys. So you're not only risking Jordan for him to grow, but even veterans like your offensive linemen, they got to be out there, and you're risking their health and all the wide receivers and the tight ends and the running backs. You know maybe you can roll with. The, the backup running backs because it's not that big of a deal. A little bit of Dylan in there, maybe a little bit of Jones. But, I mean, if the, if the point is for this unit to grow, the unit needs to be out there, and that should be Bakhtiari, and that should be Aaron Jones too. So that that the point is that all comes into, in, into play. How much do we want to not just risk Jordan so that Jordan can grow, but how much are we going to risk this entire offense just to kind of get him into a rhythm? So it sounds like they're going to be out there as a unit. It's just a matter of how much. And I don't know exactly when we're going to get closure on that it'll be sometime next week i cannot believe that we're a week away man so crazy i mean we got joint practices and we got preseason coming up that's wild man wild 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 stuff and once again wildy with almost the exact same question comes back with you know you got a young quarterback and you know how hard of a situation is he going to be in because everybody else is young and there's all these growing pains and etc etc i don't exactly know what the question was but something along those lines yeah, it's hard. It's National Football League, you know, and I mean, it's... Um... Fantastic answer. <laughs> Freaking love that. Yeah, sucks, you know. What are you going to do? It's football, National Football League. Rise to the occasion, I guess, maybe, would be the answer. You know, we brought veterans in here before we did last year, and you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It... Also a great answer, because what is he saying? We brought in veterans last year, remember that? How did that go? I mean, he doesn't want to say that because he's the one that made that decision, but ultimately... You get it, right? He's talking about Sammy Watkins. We've brought guys in. Is that what you want? Is it? It's the other thing that annoys me about whoever it might be that's constantly chiming in about veterans, how often? Maybe it's a lot. I don't know. I haven't heard it. I don't think I've heard one. How often do they throw out actual names? I, I, I understand Matt Ryan. Like I've, I've said that that kind of makes sense as a backup, just kind of as a, as a mentor, but not even a player. That's not going to boost our team and make our team better. He's going to be on the bench the whole time. I'm talking about who has said we need to bring in a veteran wide receiver. Here's who I think it should be. I understand the consequences, but I think it would be worth it because what? Because we're going to win a Super Bowl this year? Who's the person and what is the benefit? Other than it makes us 5% better, maybe. And that assumes that the guys that we have suck, which apparently they do. You know, so it all depends on the person. I mean, I think as we went into the offseason, you know, we always, as you know, we look at all these options and weigh them and see if, uh, what makes sense. Um, there would be particular players that I think would make a ton of sense to bring in here and, and help offense, defense, special teams. Uh, some guys would come in and because of their veteran status and, and where they are in their, in their progression would take a lot of snaps that maybe these guys need, you know. So um, 
you know, I think as we go into this, I think it's just the important thing is to not, for us as a, as a group, is to not put, you know, any ceilings on anything and just go out and let these guys play and let them, let them learn and grow. And I think um, whether it's a practice, joint practice, family night, preseason game, early season, regular season game, the learning and growing part has to be in the forefront. This has to be more about, okay, as we go through this, we got to get better each week. You know, we might be winning a lot, but we got to get better each week. You know what I mean? I think that's very important for this group because so many of them have so much room to grow. Um, so, but yeah, I think you know, it's again, it's you look at all those things um, and what will help your football team the most, and what opportunities are out there as well. You know, from not only from the players that are available, but the salary cap and everything that we have going. Um, and try to make the best decisions. But we're really excited about this group. And um, like every NFL season, there's, it's going to be hard and it's going to have some downs. But um, we like the resilience they're showing so far. Again, I don't know how to how to further elaborate on what's been said 500 times by Gutekunst, by myself, and whoever else. Um, but, I mean, the, the answer is, is straightforward and obvious. Then there's a question about the number three running back role. And what are you looking for there? Obviously, you know, to me, it, and this goes for most of them, but particularly that third running back. You know, not only does he have to run the ball, um, but almost more importantly, he's a, he has to catch it, and he's got to be able to pass block, and he's got to be able to play special teams, right? Because that's what that's a role he's going to do. So if he's lacking in that area, um, if he can't play special teams, if he can't pass block, it's going to be hard to use him. You know what I mean on the, on the forty-eight man roster. So, um, you know. Um, there may be players, really good running backs, that have a deficiency, but they're the they're the number one back and taking all the carries, and that's okay. Um, but when you're the third guy, you have to be versatile enough to do all those things. Um, and um, those guys aren't easy to find, but I think that's really really important. And that will that will separate, you know, who who ends up winning that job. It's kind of an interesting take that I'm going to have to marinate on a little bit. I mean, it it almost makes sense intuitively, and then when you think about it, it it kind of doesn't. But it is good to know either way that that is sort of um, the way that it's v- being viewed, which does um, does make me think Tyler Goodson is the very clear answer here, only because, as I said, you know they've been using him all over the place as far as splitting him out wide and in motion and just all this kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't I don't know if that's that seems to be better, but it it could be also you know let's see if we can get you to do something else because we're kind of nervous that maybe you know I, I wasn't quite sure. But if that's what you're looking for, and, and according to him, that's even more important. I mean, special teams is also a major part of this, and I don't have any special teams notes as far as how they're looking on special teams. We'll have to look at that when it comes down to actually, you know, trying to formulate a 53 is maybe going back and looking at last year, how they did on special teams in the preseason um, usage, how many times, because even if PFF doesn't necessarily like them as far as their grades, if they're used a ton and the other one wasn't used at all, that's still going to be quite telling. And I think that's important for a lot of people, too, to recognize with Lou Nichols, because I like Lou Nichols when I watched him play. And I think a lot of people like him, and I also think a lot of people assume that he, since he's a seventh-round pick, he's kind of the shoe-in. But not only has there not been a ton in camp as far as hearing from Lou Nichols, and there's been, you know, as much negative as positive, I would say, it's all running. E- even the stuff that you like about him in college, it's, it's, I'm, I'm guessing, for me anyways, it was, it was him as a runner. And, you know, a lot of that other stuff, the, the receiving, the blocking, the special teams, that's all stuff that needs to be taught that Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor are already aware of. So I do think it's a steep uphill climb for Lou Nichols to get that number three spot. I mean, a really steep climb. And right now, I would lean Tyler Goodson. In fact, I'm going to make that switch now. I've had Patrick Taylor just sitting there by default for a long time. But having heard that from Gutekunst, 
and knowing that Goodson's been used a lot more. I mean, let me just read you some of these notes here. Tyler Goodson just had a snap in the Tyler Irvin roll coming across the D, uh, as a decoy on the jet sweep. That's a nice little opportunity for him. Goodson getting more looks lined up out wide or in the slot. Goodson use, being used as a motion man a lot. Goodson getting a legit look in the slot today, at least the third time he's lined up there. Goodson out wide with the ones. Goodson with some punt return attempts as well. Lining up in the slot, out wide, backfield, being sent in motion. Goodson filling a number of roles. Pop pass to Tyler Goodson, who was lined up out wide. Goodson on a short crosser. I mean, almost most of the notes have been receiver slash, I mean, either lined up as a receiver or catching passes, screen passes, short crossers. Goodson takes a short pass and turns on the Jets for a huge play, almost a touchdown, but they call him down at the eight. I mean, there's been like three or four, literally three or four notes on him as a runner. In fact, one of them is the most recent, which is Tyler Goodson just broke a 38-yard touchdown in live period. Again, I still have to break down all the notes. I would be stunned if Patrick Taylor or Lou Nichols or Emmanuel Wilson, for that matter, are anywhere near, you know, again, given this criteria. We need special teams. We need receiving. I haven't heard anything about blocking, but um, in fact, you know what? Let's just do it. We're basically done with the interview anyways. So that's Tyler Goodson. Here's what we have for Patrick Taylor. Finally, a hole to the left side for Patrick Taylor. A nice pickup. Uh, sounds like Taylor getting first crack, working with the ones today. Offense wanted a touchdown on six yard Taylor run, but the refs don't give it. Nice run by Taylor inside. Taylor runs hard for three on the inside. Taylor run inside short gain. That's it. Here's Lou Nichols. Nice run by Lou Nichols. Lucas Van Ness likely would have had him if live tackling. Lou Nichols shows some wiggle in team run pass P whatever. Goodson broke a nice gain up the middle too. In different periods, Lou Nichols, Dallin Levitt, Tariq Carpenter, Malik Heath also saw time with the ones. Really nice little run inside by Lou Nichols. Shot off vision, burst, and balance. Best play of camp. Lou Nichols with a drop on a checkdown. See, again, run, 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 drop, pass. Also dropped a pass in individual drills. Hands have been a major issue for him early. Lou Nichols just stiff-armed Keandre Thomas into oblivion. He saw that in his college tape, but again, not really what they're looking for. I mean, it is. It's always nice, but that's that's... It, that's exactly what it is. It's just nice. Rookie running back Lou Nichols showing out in team right now. Nice opening on the left side for Nichols for a nice pickup. Eric Wilson with a big-time run fit on Nichols. Nichols takes two straight hits. He comes out a little shaken up. So I, I at this point, have very little doubt. It's Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, then Tyler Goodson. Well, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, big gap, Tyler Goodson, big gap, Patrick Taylor, marginal grab, gap Lou Nichols and then Emmanuel Wilson is not going to be on the team. Anyways, I'm not going to hit on any more of the press conference stuff. That's about it. We don't have a ton of time to get into some of the Bears. Well, I I, I guess we will. I teased it enough. We might as well talk about it. Um, and I, I don't need to go massively in depth here. I mean, you know how this works. I know Packer fans are heartbroken about the Mercedes Lewis going to the Bears. I, I, I honestly am not like not even a little bit i mean you know part of it is mercedes lewis he played for us for a long time and that's cool but it's kind of like when julius peppers went to carolina like it didn't break my heart i mean it sucked that he was leaving but it's like he wasn't really a packer he was a panther then he spent some time with the bears then he came here for a few years then he went back to the panthers it's not like a betrayal or anything i mean i and granted he didn't go back to the bears or whatever but I mean, and it was a long time. It really doesn't feel like it was that long. It was five years, but, I mean, he spent 11 years with the Jaguars. 
might even been longer. I think it's yeah, 12 years. 12 years with the Jaguars, five years with the Packers. And he came in, you know, on the he wasn't at the peak of his career. He was fine. I, I don't have any issues with Mercedes Lewis, but, I mean, can I just be completely blunt here? His best year in Green Bay, 23 receptions, 214 yards, zero touchdowns. <laughs> I know it's about the blocking. I understand that. And, and you know, he was a solid blocker. I think we always hyped him up to be this godlike figure, which I told you the day that he came in, like, He's always been seen as this elite number one blocking guy or whatever, but he never really was. Then I went through all those stats back at, after in, in 2018 when we picked him up, or, or yeah, 2018. Can't believe I was doing the podcast back then. It's crazy. It's like, how was I talking about this on the podcast? Oh, because I was doing it back then. You know, he, he, would, he would fluctuate. He'd be like the number four pass blocker and the number 20 run blocker one year. Then he'd be the number three run blocker and the number six you know, 16 pass blocker or something. And it'd kind of go back and forth. And last year he was like the number seven run blocker and the number 17 pass blocker or something. I mean, he's, he's, he's solid, but he's not like the number one run blocker and the number one pass block. That's not correct. He's not even the best blocking tight end. I mean, it's, it's borderline blasphemous to even say these things. But I mean, it's, it's the reality. He had a 66 run blocking grade and a 73 pass blocking grade. There were eight people better than him as a run blocker, including guys like George Kittle, Dalton Schultz, Mark Andrews, Trayvon Wesco, Colby Parkinson, Tyler Croft, Josh Oliver, Isaiah Likely. Pass blocking, he was 14th. Evan Ingram, Colby Parkinson, who I already mentioned before, Mecole Pruitt, Gerald Everett, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, Trayvon Wesco, Cade Otten, Chris Manhurt, Sean McKeon, Tommy Tremble, Trey McBride, and James Mitchell all were better pass blockers. And it's not like, well, he's on the downswing of his career. It's been like this every year. Last year, he was 7th in run blocking, 10th in pass blocking. And that's not bad. That's fine. But he's not, a, he's not a blocking god. I know he's a massive human being. That's for sure. But Mark Andrews has consistently been a better blocking tight end than, I mean, he's significantly better receiving, obviously. He's one of the better receiving tight ends. He's been a better blocker than Mercedes Lewis since he's been in the league. Nobody, but here, here's a very important part. You know why nobody talks about it? Because nobody gives a crap. Mark Andrews is a receiver, and that's what's important. Nobody cares that he can block. Gronkowski could block too. He was a great blocker. Nobody gave a crap. So he's a good dude. He's a um, you know leader in the locker room, all that stuff. Solid blocker, but not certainly not an irreplaceable, never going to have a blocking tight end like him again type of person. That whole thing is, is it's fiction. It's uh, comic book stuff. We made him into a superhero. And if you ever watched him, you would know that. I mean, I, I just go watch them play football. And yeah, yes, there's clips. I've seen the clips. Of course, every tight end has great blocking clips. Wide receivers have great blocking clips. I'm talking about just on a down-to-down basis watching. You see him miss blocks and do all these things. I mean, he's a human being. So I'm not, you know, I didn't really want him back, like, at all. Um, I wouldn't have been super mad about it, but it's we got two guys that are significantly... Uh, let's say, much higher ceiling than Mercedes Lewis. Can they block as well? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Musgrave, probably not. Kraft, eh, maybe, I don't know. You can say it's ridiculous, but uh, Isaiah likely graded out better than he did, and he was a rookie last year at 6'4", 240. Number one run blocker, in fact. 117 attempts. 
not a small sample size. So it, it doesn't bother me. I mean, it's it's no different than them getting Robert Tunyon. I, I, I don't care. You know, I mean, it, there was a brief period where maybe it seemed like the hype was going to be real and Robert Tunyon was going to be a real thing. It never was a real thing. The guy had a bunch of touchdowns one year. It happens. It was a fluke. He wasn't that good. So I'm not heartbroken over it. It's, it is what it is. It's just like when they went and picked up Jimmy Graham. Like, oh, wow, congratulations. And if you need evidence of this, as I think I said earlier, one year, $2 million. And it took until August 4th for someone to, somebody that's willing to give him a one-year, $2 million contract. I'm happy for him, to be honest. I'm happy that he's still hanging in there because he is, he is a hard worker and he is going to continue to play until the wheels fall off. If he wants to play for another tech, go for it, man. Break every single record in existence. Good for you. And you know what? The, for all the reasons that I'm not a big fan of him coming here, I'm happy he's going to the Bears. Where are they going to grow? They're not. Is it good for Cole Komet? Maybe maybe he's going to teach him some stuff. I doubt And by the way, that's so overhyped. Well, he's going to come and teach him how to block. They have coaches. The coaches know how to do it. You think there are like some massive secrets that Mercedes Lewis knows that nobody else knows? It's written in like a hidden book somewhere that he doesn't let the coaches see? No. Everything Lewis knows he got from the coaches. From a lot of coaches, so he has a lot of information. But, you know, again, whatever. 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 Then they got Yannick Ngakwe. We did this when the Vikings got him. I tried to convince everybody because everyone was freaking out. No, he's really good. You don't understand. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, no, he's not really all that good. Um, all these stats that people are putting out are cherry-picking. Mean, it, it was one of the more absurd things. At least with Justin Fields, they're, they're kind of straightforward, you know? Um, I mean, they don't really have any data, but they use what's there. and They're just like, here it is. It's good. And it's like, no, it's not. And yes, it is. Okay. With Yannick, it was it was so obvious that they were deliberately lying to make it seem good when it wasn't. It was like from the years of, you know, like two years ago to four years ago, minus this one year, on regular in the regular season, on an even day. I mean, it was, it was stupid. And so, of course, I just cut out all the qualifiers. I'm like, here's what he's done over the last five years. How's that look? Stupid? Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. Yannick he gets a lot of sacks. Like, every year he's got, like, double-digit sacks. And, of course, that's appealing. And it's, it's, it's a good thing. Sacks are valuable, and he seems to find a way to get them. He had 12 last year via PFF, so the official's probably a little bit lower. Um, but overall, he had a 56 pass rush grade. His, his, his grades have fallen off a cliff. If you look at true pass sets, it's no real difference. That's, you know, mono we mono one-on-one beating a guy. It's 57.9. He ranked, as far as his pass rush grade, 97th out of 125. If you look at his win percentage, how often do you beat the guy across from you? He ranked 102nd out of 125. And if you look at pass rush productivity, which some people it helps and some people it hurts, depending on whether, you know, the scheme is hurting you or helping you. Like, you know, you're double teamed, but, you know, when you're not double teamed, you're crucifying people. Like really good pass rushers, usually it helps. Really bad pass rushers, usually it hurts. mono mono situations, what is his win percentage? 8%. 111th out of 125 pass rushers. Hilariously, three Chicago Bears rank lower than that. Not necessarily current, but that's just still hilarious. 8%. Think about it. 10% pressure rate is about average. Win percentage means you just beat the guy across from you, even if you don't get to the quarterback. He's at 8%. And it's lower than that in non uh, when you're not looking at true pass sets. So, you know, I mean, yeah, he can do stuff. It's fine, but he's just, he's not very good. And, and again, you know, 
with the Bears, it, it doesn't really matter that much to me as far as the Bears doing it because the Bears are doing. This is this is why I talk about like I like the Packers process, and I think that's why the Packers win, and I think this is why the Bears stay losers all the time. The fans want the Packers to be like the Bears. Just go get somebody that's a name. Who cares? Something to be excited about. Like, yeah, Yannick Ngakwe. I know that name. I remember hearing his name attached to good things, and that's great. What is the vision here? Why are the Packers not doing this? Again, because we got young guys that need time to play. We're building for the future. What are the Bears building for? You're building for the future? What, what does Yannick Ngakwe have to do with the future? Nothing. Nothing. So what are you doing? You got all these guys. You went out and got a bunch of guys for what? For now? You're going to win now? No, you're not. You suck now. Why do you have Mercedes Lewis for one year when you're not going to actually win anything this year? Why do you sign Yannick Ngakwe to a one-year $10.5 million deal when you're not going to win anything this year? This is only going to hurt you. Even if those two additions win you one more game, that's only going to set you back. So next year when you realize you need a quarterback, you're not going to be able to get one because you won, you know, seven games instead of six games. Just out of reach. It's not literal, but I'm, 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 I'm being serious. What, what, what is the vision here? Why are you doing this? And again, it just seems to be this short-sighted vision of, well, it makes us a little bit better. And that's all that matters is, is just, it just makes us, you know, 5% better right now. You know, there's, there's some GMs that play Madden and just try to get uh, as high of Madden grades as you can possibly get on your team. There's others that try to build dynasties. Bears and Packers are on a different wavelength with that. And I'm okay with our path. Yannick Ngakwe serves no purpose. They're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Even Bears fans know they're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Most of them. So why are you doing it? So you can coach up who? Guys that aren't going to be on your team? You think any of these pass rushers that they have on their team are the guys that they want when they're actually going to try to build this, this dynasty that they're building toward? None of them will be there. They don't have a single high-quality young pass rusher on this team. Not one. If we're being honest, I don't know that they have a a high-quality tight end that's worth coaching up with Mercedes Lewis, but they paid the guy, so they might as well consider him a a high-quality guy. So anyways, that's that. Um, Family night, huh? What you know about family night? Obviously, I'm recording this on Friday, but um, today's the day for you fine folks anyways. So I'm pretty pumped up. Could end up doing a live stream, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to enjoy the game with the kid, maybe make a little food. Chill out and watch some uh, some whatever they call that. Throwing in nets and whatnot. But it should be fun. I'm excited. Can't wait to talk about it. You guys have a good rest of your night, and I will talk to you tomorrow, tonight, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.